the basement, no longer alone With my homegirl Therese on the microphone Music politics are just chatting it up Brunch in the basement, see that's what's up You never know who might run through Legendary artist or someone brand new You miss a lot when you miss one day At least that's what I heard somebody say But it doesn't really matter what whoever says It's always a good show with Javon and Therese Yeah Brunch in the basement with Javon and Therese Yeah who we got today or what we doing today or whatever it is it's gonna be good hey everybody welcome to brunch in the basement with javon and therese and we just got news yesterday that one of our legends miss diane carroll passed away yesterday and we send out our sincere condolences to her family, and to all the fans and everybody who's been affected by her her star status, by her career, her role as the first African-American woman on television who was not in a servant role. She played a nurse, single parent, an articulate, bright, intelligent, beautiful, young woman. She represented us well, always with class. And um, I just wanted to say that. And if you don't know about Diane Carroll, Google her. And make sure that your children and your grandchildren know about her legacy. And here's a little clip of Diane Carroll and Judy Garland singing together. So I just wanted to uh, start the show off in that way. And um, then we'll get to the comedy of the day. But um, just wanted to uh, extend that condolences to our whole entire community. Show on the road. Yeah. Say it's only a paper moon sailing over a cardboard sea. 
You're listening to WJBR Internet Radio.
Let's get your hands together and give him a big San Francisco round of applause. Mr. Richard Pryor. Come on, give it up. Thank you. Good evening. Hope I'm funny. Yeah, because I know niggas ready to kick ass. I'm like, you better be funny, motherfucker. Hello. Wow. This is very exciting. Very exciting. I'm glad y'all came. Came? Yeah, glad y'all come to the show. What? Don't start no shit now. <laughs> Niggas be starting to fight and shit in the club. Pull out a pistol and shit, clear everything out. Niggas never get burned up in buildings. They know how to get out of a motherfucking situation. They do. They the white folks just panic, run to the door, fall all over each other, throws to death and shit. Niggas get outside and argue. I left my money in the motherfucker. Why am I walking? I'm running to keep out of y'all's way. I be moving and shit, making my mind work. Them feet, feet. You know, tight shoes make a nigga say anything. You ever been like, if you have tight shoes on, tight shoes is a motherfucker, brother. They don't need to beat up no nigga down to jail to make him confess. Give him a size too small. About an hour, that nigga be, I'll tell. I used to be really so poor, I'd walk down the street. You ever do that? Look for money? Out. And pretending like you ain't, huh? <laughs> I used to lose money. I lost some money once, man. I lost money, man. My mother gave me money to go pay a light bill. I lost $10. Manic. Because I know I was going to kick my ass. You know what I mean? That $10, Jack. And I walked up, and this white dude saw me crying on the corner and said, So don't you, boy? <laughs> I told him my story. He kept giving me $10. I said, What? Gave me 10 bucks? Shit, I was out there every day. <laughs> crying my ass. <laughs> How you doing? Good, good. Did, did you want a drink? Oh, uh, waitress? Waitress, no, let's see, the waitresses are working as fast as I can, but see, you niggas have funny artists. Uh, give me, uh, Cuddy and, uh, orange juice and, uh, Coke on the side. No, wait, change that. Give me two. What you want, baby? Bring my old lady a champagne cocktail with a cherry twist. Piece of lemon. Piece of lemon. Wait, bitch, I wasn't through. Piece of lemon and some turtle soup.
Yes, yes, yes. You're listening to WJBR Internet Radio Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Therese. You know, I was I was wondering, you know, if she could keep on because the force has got a lot of power and it makes me feel like
Yes, yes, yes. You're listening to WJBR Internet Radio Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Therese. And since we have a comedian coming on today, you know, I start off the show with a little Richard Pryor, but right now I'm going to do a little Eddie Murphy. And then uh, Therese will come on and we'll chat for a while, play maybe a little bit more music, take your calls, and um, talk to our special guest, comedian Samson McCormick. Yeah, it's going to be a groovy day. So, you know what? Matter of fact, how about this? Let's bring on the host, the co-hostess with the mostest right now. My buddy, my friend, and um, probably one of the most intelligent, beautiful people that I know. Um, Therese, how you doing, man? Thank you. Thank you. How's everybody doing today? All right. So, see, y'all be playing tricky stuff with me. And, you know, I'm I'm good. <laughs> I know everybody else is good. But, Therese, you sound, like you, you sound like you have a little cold or something today. Yeah, a little bit. My throat is a little bit raspy, you know. Yeah, you, you know, you sound a little something. Um, not that it's a bad thing. Um, just a little different. Um, yes. Yes, yeah, yes, you yes. know, I just, uh, I just, uh, I do a bad impression of my wife, don't I? You would you think do. that after 10 years. Because I was going to go with it, and I was going to say, you know, you sound like this this artist, this, this singer. I just can't put my finger on it. But I'm going to tell you, Mo, she does you so well. Everybody, if you don't, if you haven't caught on by now, it's Mo Nifa on the line. What's up, hi, Mo? Hi, guys. I was like, let me play around. I was like, let me say hi. After she does that. Does that big intro. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know who you were talking about, me or her. <laughs> well, you know what? No, I'm well, everybody, no, no. good morning. Mm-hmm. And here's my beautiful wife, Therese! Woo! <laughs> she is a cord muffin. Good morning. I'm just going to let the audience just, you know, go for it. How you doing today, Rez? I'm amazing. I feel great, and and oh, she's actually in the back background. Betty is um she's trying to she's trying to do my voice afflictions now. It won't it won't work. That she's standing here, so and, and people can see this Saturday crispy morning image of my wife in her onesie polishing her nails, which is hysterical. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, moisturizing her cuticles. Life is good. How you doing? <laughs> I'm okay. You know what? I only wish that I had bought on the live prior to bringing you on, which I normally would do. Um, so our watching audience, our Facebook audience, was not privy to that Javon uh, confused face look that y'all like to, you know, bring about. But that's okay. They don't need to know how how crazy I am and how corny y'all are, because. That is kind of corny. (laughs) 
Let me let me say something to you, man. She absolutely loves yanking your chain for some reason. It, it, it thrills her. So you know, she said, "Please, please, let me do it. Let me do it." <laughs> what the she funny has thing? thing she, she has this thing with uh, wanting us for, for whatever reason. She likes to think that we are stuck somewhere. You know, like like uh, not as in. Uh, uh, in a space, but like she likes yanking our chains to get our our, our uh, organic reactions and stuff because it breaks us, it breaks the fourth wall somewhat. Yeah. But you know, like so she, you know, it's like poking the rods out your back. Uh, oh, here, here we go. Here we go. You know, my my wife has an invisible rod. She says and I have an invisible rod in my she back. Gets really, you know, I'm like, hey, relax. Like she, we could be somewhere. And she's like, she gets really, her shoulders get really. She's really erect. Hilarious. Wow. Erect. She's using erect shoulders. I don't think I've ever heard no, no, erect used for shoulders. shoulders really you know, stand erect. It, it's a it's a whole thing. It's it's like a it's like a butterfly coming out of this cocoon, but I can tell it's happening. Like you know, <laughs> it's very hot. Wow. <laughs> well, nobody knows but you and our whole audience now. Thanks. That that nobody knows that Therese gets erect, right? Except <laughs> all of us now. <laughs> I'm sorry for those of you watching. I'm trying to I'm trying to do something with the lighting right now, so I'm about to move away from the camera for a minute. So don't you know think I'm 100% crazy, but I guess I just wasn't ready this morning the way I should have been, or could have been, or whatever the hell. Um, I, I actually started off the show and in a little bit of a different way, Rez. Uh, paid a little tribute to um, the legendary the legend. Diane Carroll. Yes, yes. What a loss for that, us as a people. That is an amazing, you know, it's, it's once again, you know, um, your memory, your life memories just go soaring through your, your, your cerebrum. And it's just Diane Carroll, a New York staple and, and a legend in her own right. You know, we lost a big one. A big Absolutely. one. She just made it possible, you know, dot, dot, dot. Like I remember as a child, you know, it was a few must-haves in, in, in the community like we, we, that we had to watch. We had to be front and center for with our family. Uh, Julia was one. The Nat yep. King Cole show was another one. Yep. Ruth was another one. Oh, God. You know, like, you remember? You remember? Yep. Like, having Every to make that family? Old, I must have been about 12 years old. That's, but the, the influence that Ruth's Julia, I was maybe I was maybe four or five watching that, um, and I just loved the the little character Corey, yeah. and not even yeah. understand the impact that the Julia role had on me. Right, I still feel like right. you have to you have to see um, Claudine if you're Claudine, yes. Oh please, it, even if you don't watch its damn soundtrack, but yes, definitely <laughs> her playing that role was very significant because Diane Carroll always had this classy um, thing about her, you know, um, this articulate womanhood, this black strength, um, sophisticated woman, if you will. 
And her playing that role, mm-hmm. she on. was still sophisticated and classy, even though she was um, a, a woman who was struggling financially, um, who had children, different fathers, and, and you know, the, just the living life sort of yeah. thing. And, and yeah. it, she, she showed strength, poise. Mm-hmm. Um, she, was, she was just classy, regardless of the circumstance she showed that you don't have to live down to your circumstance. You can live up to your circumstance and beyond your circumstance. And and just, um, I don't know, she just was just positive. I can't even imagine another person doing that role as much justice as she did, you know? She 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 exemplified the fact that in that role as Claudine, she exemplified the fact that uh, women in the hood that um, their their socioeconomic uh, position in life does not dictate their inner dignity, does not dictate their inner um, uh, glory. And and um, to play that role, she brought um, not only she, – she humanized the the hood, if you will, like, you know, like because a lot of times, you know, people will dictate people's dignity based on their socioeconomic um, – uh, position in life, and it went to show you that what my circumstances were is not who I am as a woman. Like you can still be majestic, you know, in the concrete. You know what I mean? And, and exactly. you can still have, you know, um, fundamentals and principles, and you know, and all those things that you know queens have. So you know, I yeah. just thought it was like, although I know, you know, in listening to you know some of the, because Claudine is absolutely one of my favorite movies, and and the soundtrack I still today like there's not a first of all can we just give a shout out to that soundtrack can we just give yes. a shout out to the quality Gladys soundtrack and the the yes Gladys Knight and the Pips just murdered that soundtrack <laughs> shout out to Curtis Mayfield and it's like yes. you know it's it's a whole lot of um, love and it just exemplified the the black experience you know, coming through a certain time in the 70s, you know. And that just, it was a feel-good soundtrack. It takes me straight back to barbecues and, and good times and, and Cadillacs and, you know, just just a whole lot of things that just made you feel so, so incredibly proud to be black, you know, at a certain yeah. time in America, um, despite what was going on for us politically. And we, we still had that neighborhood experience, that community experience. Um, so that soundtrack was that for me. And it's funny because um I um <laughs> you know it's funny because my wife was born in 1972 and oh, she was and, born um, in 1972 and you know I often try to you know about Claudine you know I know about Claudine from you know I have brothers that are 12 or 13 years older than me and my brother Kevin was very is after my mother. Or along with my mother, was very instrumental in my in knowing all the wonderful music um, and classic stuff that you know before my time that I would remember. You know what I mean? Yeah. Billy, you know. Well, shout out to your brothers out and, because that's yeah, yeah. that's what's up. That's we we have to pass these things on. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes, we do. We absolutely do. And this was a this was a show baby over here popped up. Okay, it's kind of nice. Nice. That was crazy. That was crazy. I, I apologize for that. No, no, no. I thought it was something you were trying to vamp in. That was it sound clear on this end. Yeah, that was kind of crazy though. That wasn't what it was. It was you know this that's live broadcasting. That's how that goes. But no, nah, that's 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 what's up. I um helped raise a young man um through a relationship, and he wasn't born until the '90s. But he knows all about roots and Claudine and all that because that's that's what we're supposed to do. And and you mentioned something else that's um that that kind of clicked something in my my head. Um, when you think about the 70s and you think about Black America, or at least my experience of Black America in the 70s, um, tough times financially, economically, um, the, the foot of, quote unquote, the man being on our necks. And yet mm-hmm. out of that sprung Black power, Black beauty, us really um, standing up and taking, you know, like really accepting ourselves and, and learning to love ourselves. And with Roots, the the impact that that show had on our, on, on our self-awareness and right. um, even movies like Claudine and, and other things that Diane Carroll and others were doing at that time, um, Sidney mm-hmm. Poitier, the, the, even, even the, the so-called black exploitation movies, although, you know, people love to talk about the negative connotations that came out of those movies. There were some mm-hmm. really powerful, positive um impactful situations that, you know, that came out of those movies for me. Um, When Mm -hmm. I think about Pam Greer and Richard Roundtree and, you know, Cleopatra Jones and and all of that, Teresa Graves. Mm -hmm. Tamara Dobson. Yes, Tamara Dobson. Those images for me were positive, whereas prior to that, most of the images were of servants. Black, right. black and servants and, and so yeah. forth and so on. Although we had the Dorothy Dandridge, the beautiful, you know, and Lena Horne and so forth and so on prior to that. But um, the images and the messages were typically negative. And I just want to reiterate that Diane Carroll was so positive mm-hmm. at, right. at, during that time. So I had a lot to and, say, I guess. And just filled with grace to watch her on the screen. And, you know, and it's so, and I'm thinking back to like the Diane Carroll show and, you know, and Matt King Cole and, and Flip Wilson. Um, yeah. All yeah. of the, all of the, the comics that had their, their shows and, and um, there weren't a lot of them around doing that. So they were groundbreaking at that time and crossing barriers and, you know, like, in a, and, and, 
the first ones to give us our our representation, you know. Um, So, yeah, you know, your family, I I remember feeling proud because your family, particularly my mom and dad were still together then, and they they made it a point in telling us we had to watch this. Because we knew, they knew something we didn't know. We, you know, as mm-hmm. this was, you know, just like every, every, um, every child at a certain age will know that they had a black president. You know, um, my grandmother wasn't around, around to feed the black president. But, you know, that's something that changed in, in our lifetime, you know, and hopefully it'll continue. But there's so many pioneers. And Diane Carroll, I'll just share a brief story. Um, I met her twice in person, and I, I posted this. Well, and um, at the time I had friends that worked at uh, Saks Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, and I would go in there to hang out or to pick them up or to shop or whatever. And um, twice I saw uh, Miss Carol, but the very first encounter I had with Miss Carol was at a was at a um, a makeup counter, and I'm standing there talking to some of the artists across the counter, and she came up just really kind of unceremoniously and just started talking, just, you know, next and asking a question. And so, you know, you step over because you see, you know, I didn't, I didn't look at her. I just gave her space. I just felt the presence of another body. So I I yielded and gave her space to ask the question because we're both engaging the same artist and something said, turn to your right. So I turned to my right and I looked down and I was like, and the, Artists clearly were so used to her being there that she didn't make a fuss. I, however, <laughs> was not, okay? So when I turned and looked, and the artist was so relaxed, I almost thought to myself, well, maybe it's not her because she's not, she doesn't, she's not flinching. She doesn't feel like this could be. But then I'm saying to myself, oh, hell no. I know Julia when I see her now. Come on. <laughs> I turned and I looked, and I was like, and I put my hands together, as I always do, and I just gave her bow and grace, and I just mouthed to her, I love you. And she nodded back, and she said, thank you. And I just had the biggest smiles, because, you know, as New Yorkers, we, you know, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker, and as New Yorkers, we, you know, you can see at any given time anybody anywhere. You know, and you could always tell a New Yorker from, like, let's say somebody who is not a New Yorker, like an implant or, or somebody, you know, um, that uh, is visiting. Because we don't make a big fuss, you know. We, we'll do the head nod, like, you know, so, but we just don't, it's not in us to fan out that way, you know, like right. in a way that's just, particularly because she's on her, you know, and she was by herself moving through the crowd, you know. You can tell that, you know, she, they were spotters there, but. She just, you know, she just moved with the grace. She was in and out and just, you know, just being. And I smiled dumb hard. And I was like, wow. And as she walked away, I was like, that was, and the makeup artist said, Diane Carroll. Yeah, she's amazing. And I said, oh, my God. And I was just so grateful and so filled. And just in person, she can give you that that peace of mind that you're just so proud to be, you know. All of all, I think she was like maybe, she was very, very small in stature. But super large in life on screen, you know, like I think she was like maybe five, 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 six, something like that. But very, very, very powerful energy about her. So that's my, my brief Diane Carroll story. And there was another account at the same place, you know, um, and always the same, just the same, just elegant and royal and all the things that you see and have heard, you know, and also unapologetically black, 
in her approach, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like aunties just rolled up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Very that. That is that is just wonderful. And you handled it very well. Um, I love that. I love that. Uh, unlike my Shaka Khan stories, which we'll save for another time, you were graceful <laughs> in your approach. <laughs> <laughs> We yeah, I know, because you, you know those stories. Let me give a shout-out to Shaka Khan and every Shakaholic in the world. I love you. I love you, baby. And um, a shout-out to everybody who's listening to the show, um, wherever you're listening from. I want to give a special shout-out to Canada, China, and South Africa, yeah. sec- second to the United States. Um, those are our highest audience of listening. Listeners, so um, if you're listening from any of those countries, I want to say what's up and thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, please continue to share the show with your friends. I want to give a shout out to everybody watching me sit here on um, Facebook Live and on Instagram. I'm, I'm learning Instagram, you know, just hold on. I see Corinne. I see Red Look 2. I see Delina. What's up? Hey, girl. And um, the pastor, Kevin E. Taylor. What's up, pastor? Love you. Yes. And uh, on Facebook, we got Jay Bird. I see you, Rez. You you doing multi-things here. And, um, you know, Pops. Got to shout out Pops. Ulysses Carter, who says, my plate is ready for brunch and my cup is ready for the hot tea you two are about to bring to the table. Brunch in the basement with Javon Armstrong and Therese Michelle. Love that dude. Um, I love him. He, he also mentions that his uncle's show, the Flip Wilson show, and Julia made history for us. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Like yes, I yes, had that yes. Flip Wilson doll. And on one side was Flip, and on the other side was Geraldine Jones. The devil made me do it, honey. I know that's a terrible impersonation. Oh, my God. I, I miss that doll. And, yes, he agreed with everything you said, Rez. And also, real music at its best, as we spoke about um, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Um we don't have real music and soundtracks like that since the 90s. And remember, there used to be like one artist who would do the whole soundtrack, like Curtis Mayfield yeah. or, or Eddie Kendricks or, or yeah. um, Isaac Hayes, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Um, Sonora, how you doing, love? Mwah. Sonora. Rock, Rack, I'm sorry, how you doing? And um, Ulysses says, listening to you guys, for Atlanta this weekend. I'm here this weekend for Tyler's studio opening tonight. Wow. That's oh, nice. Nice. That's Shout out to Tyler Perry opening the studio and dedicating it to the legendary Diane Carroll. Amazing thing. Amazing yes. So, as you know, we are getting ready for um, Samson McCormick today. Um, I also opened up with a Richard Pryor <laughs> little skit. Um, that's because, you know, we have a comedian coming on. So instead of doing music, I, well, I did music, but I also did a little comedy. And um, 
I did a little. Uh, who who's your favorite comedian? Oh, wow, that's that's a hard one because you know I've I've been blessed to be through a couple of a few decades in my life so far, and for different reasons. Like if I want to talk about nostalgic first, then I'd I'd have to go I'd have to go back to Red and Richard, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Red Fox and Richard Pryor, and then you know, of course, Eddie Murphy and and you know Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. Like, there's so so many. You know, um, Samson also is another favorite. You know, um, and and he is like Monique. You know, like some more. Like, there's so many um, that I appreciate their approach to, um, you know, their craft. You know. Um, whether it be, you know, straight Joe Bernie Mac, you know, ignorant jokes or, or, you know, just life jokes. There's so damn many, you know, for so damn many reasons. Um, so that's a hard one. That's always been a hard one. You know, um, I, from time sneaking down the basement, I remember the nostalgia of listening to a Red Fox and, and, and a Richard Pryor stuff. Um, uh, Millie Jackson, you know, just like... <laughs> And not yeah. supposed to be hearing it, you know, but it's just, yeah. that's just like a realm that, that and that's a craft that like, it's so healing because laughter, you know, and, and just people, I've always been in awe with people that can take tragic situations at times and turn it into thought provoking Paul Mooney type, you know, um, uh, uh, situations or, or just pre- be able to present it in a way that either can make you laugh, can make you make you cry and make you angry. You know, I remember poor Mooney's race. Have you ever seen or heard that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I saw, you know, I didn't know what to expect when I saw it, although knowing Paul Mooney and I, I went to see him live when he did race and I was just like, yo, <laughs> yo. yo, crazy, you know, um, so it's there's so many and I can't answer that. Do you have a favorite? You know, no. <laughs> but yeah. like you, it's because of every comedian is different and tickles me at a different spot on my funny bone. I right. think um probably amongst my favorites would be Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. Um I think Kevin Hart is a crack up. He he cracked me up for some reason. Um, Red Fox definitely was one um, who could make me laugh when I wasn't supposed to be listening to his albums. And, um, you know, there are certain people who have iconic skits that you just remember forever. Like, if you can remember details of a skit, then I think, you know, that, that leads that puts them on a different um, category for me. Um, yes. yes, 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 yes. You know, it's fact. Like Jay, you just rang a yes. bell real fast. Let's try it. Let's try to do some skit blurts. You know, just blurts. Name that comic. Like make okay. some skit blurts. Like 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 we don't die, we multiply. We baby dance. <laughs> Who's that? Who's that? I don't remember, but I do know that line. Robin oh. Harris and the Baby Kids. Yes, 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 yes. I I couldn't remember it all, like right now, 
But yeah, I know baby. you know this. I know you know this one though. Ice cream. You got. I got the ice cream. Oh, that's Eddie you Murphy on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's Speaking so, of so Eddie Murphy, one of my How favorite. How about this one? Go ahead. Right. Is that my nope. house and over there on the curb? Come here, girl. <laughs> Tito, pass me my tissue. <laughs> Tito, pass me my tissue. <laughs> Yo, I think now you're going to be, this. you know, this is going to be... <laughs> Going to um, make this a soundbite because that is <laughs> you. Eddie Murphy was funny enough, but you doing Eddie Murphy doing Michael Jackson is funny, even funnier. That was that was good. <laughs> Everybody, you're listening to WJBR Internet Radio Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Therese. The number to call in if you want to chat with us is three four seven nine nine six. Five three nine four, and um, in a few minutes we're gonna bring on our special guest, Mr. Samson McCormick, um, who is an award-winning comedian. <laughs> and um, right now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna play a little bit, a little snip. Since you since you brought it up, we're gonna do that Eddie Murphy talking about singers, and um, we're gonna get we're gonna warm it up. We're gonna have Eddie Murphy open. For Samson McCormick, what about that? How about that? Lemonade. <laughs> that cool, refreshing drink. <laughs> there you go. Being a comic, though, ain't like being no singer. The singers get all the pussy. Because you don't have to even be, you don't even have to look good, and you can sing and get pussy. Just be interesting, because this sex symbol's getting pussy that ugly motherfuckers. Because all you have to do is sing. It's something about singing. That's the business. You sing, women go crazy. Because Mick Jagger is an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> with, with big ass lips. Mick Jagger's lips so big, black could be going. You got some big ass lips. <laughs> you got some big motherfucking lips. But he's singing. And you sing, you get over. Luther Vandross, a big Kentucky Fried Chicken eating motherfucker. But he put his shit on the other. Dip, 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 dip. Women go. Ah! Sing. That's all you got to do is sing. You don't even have to be able to talk to sing and get famous. Cause James Brown been singing 20 years. I don't know what the fuck James is talking about. I don't understand shit James said. I met him once that Saturday Night Live. I walked up and said, James, I love your stuff. James said, you might have did that. <laughs> and whatever James is saying is some real heavy shit to James. Because it's real meaningful shit to James. Because at the end of every sentence, he ended off with, <laughs> He meant that shit that he just said, boy. Everything. He's like, <laughs> You get mad, you start putting the needle back saying, what the fuck did I just miss? Seminar, time to people say, That's a James Brown lyric. He wrote that shit. He was writing a song, said, I need a word here. 
That's good. Get this song going, all the songs sounded the same. Jamie going, Time is now to bond the people, say, I'm a now. Are you mine? Shit, did it you? Hey! Hey! I'm now knowing. Come on, the promise I understand. Sit in the best. Grandma, no one else. I. 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 They made you. That's that. What's that? Most people know you now. <laughs> People say, jump back, wanna kiss myself. Start talking to the band and lose you, right? Say, tell about now. Band say, yeah. Did you? Yeah. Tell about now. Yeah. Band be going, what the fuck is James talking about? <laughs> I don't know what we're getting paid. Keep singing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and people take singers. They love something about singers that people just love and shit. I, know, I did Stevie Wonder on the show once. And black people lost their motherfucking mind. I had brothers rolling up on me going, Hey, you the motherfucker I be doing Stevie Wonder? That shit ain't funny, motherfucker. Don't you never let me see you do that shit again. I'll fuck you up. Stevie Wonder's a musical genius. And now, I'd like to introduce you all to the next generation of comedians, of comics. Uh, We have award-winning comedian, artist, writer, filmmaker, Mr. Samson McCormick. How you doing, sir? I'm going to be great when black people stop killing white folks and stop hugging white folks for killing us. I'm going to be great after that. You know, I... uh, (laughs) He comes right in with it. You know, it's... I've been, I've been watching the news, and I've just been trying to wrap my head around this stuff. So I'm gonna be great again when we stop doing that. Other than that, I'm I'm holding it together. What yeah. The, what okay. about y'all? So flush this out. Wait a minute. Okay, Samson, Samson's here. Yeah. Listen. So flush that out. Now, what what in your now? Um, for those of you who don't know, Samson McCormick is um, a tremendous talent. And he travels the globe, um, making the world a better place, in my opinion, but also tackle, tackling tough issues. And he stands in the fire a lot for oh, yeah. um, bridging the gap where there are. Um, and I'm going to let you talk more specifically about that. But what I've watched, you know, and I'm a huge, huge fan first, you know, and, and friend, and also want to say that watching him stand in the fire, you know, and and uh, and in the gap in some cases of tension is his strong suit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I always tell him, you know, and 
office or somebody that checks in with me weekly, you know, just on a, hey, love, how you doing? I hope you have an amazing week. And in that, I always say to him, I feel the need to say to him, be safe out there, you know, because, you know, in doing that, you expose yourself to a lot. So I want you to to unpack that, what you just said, because that has been uh, the controversy for the week, you know, in terms of watching the judge, you know, hug the police officer and 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 uh, the statement made by the uh, victim's brother and by that I mean um uh, both of them the gentleman that was shot and killed in his home by a police mm-hmm. officer um unpack what you just said cuz you came in with that so I got I had to slow it down so I can <laughs> get, get that back <laughs> well, this, well you know that's the thing is James Baldwin, you know, and and I've been working to be a little bit less preachy in my approach to this stuff, but, I mean, it's stuff that you have to talk about. You look at the blueprint of of who we are as a black artist, and, and that's who I follow. No matter how I reinvent myself, I still follow that blueprint. So two of the things that I always follow in my work, no matter which direction I go and the way that I present it is, number one, uh, Nina Simone said that an artist's duty is to always reflect the times, right? And right. then there was James Baldwin who said uh, to be a Negro in this country is to always be in a constant state of outrage. And so if you cannot mm. look at the things that you're seeing on the news and that you're reading and, and, and not feel threatened and outraged, then you're doing it wrong. And it's just the, the subliminal. Like I looked at the uh, the the images because you know everybody was inboxing them to me of this judge and his brother. Like and he he uh he, you know they ran to each other. Like it it was sick. You know it's if you if you mute that and you turn on some of that music that plays when people run run to each other through the fields on those love movies. You know that <laughs> that's what it looked like. It was some serious uh you know. Gone with the wind type stuff that was going on uh, on there. And it's just the subliminal, the subliminal mm-hmm. that it sends that, you know, you still have to be forgiving. And, and, and in a way, I believe that the media manufactures this type of stuff because it's no way in the world that we as minorities go through so much stuff that we go through and haven't killed everybody yet. Mm. You know, mm. and and I think they know it's coming. I mean, I know that's a radical statement, but in some capacity it's coming, and that's why, you know, you have these people fighting so hard to not let what they think is power go. And, uh, you know, so when you – and I talk about that on stage, you know, and, of course, you know, I, I, I tell the truth. I was actually listening to uh, some tracks because I'm, I'm writing a memoir right now uh, that – I, I think it's time to do like a little memoir. So I've been like listening to like some tapes and just the approach to it. And um, some people just can't take it. And I listen to it. This is some people don't like the truth. We really are a delusional country. Mm, mm. What do you say? You know, cause this was a controversial subject. It really, really was, you know, and, and because it hit all kinds of um, different points. It hit the judicial system. It hit mm-hmm. uh, religion. It hit mm-hmm. uh, 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 African Americans in this world. It it hit mm-hmm. a whole lot of different points. 
and it hit uh, forgiveness, and it also hit anger. You know, it hit a lot of different emotional walls for a lot of people. And, you know, I, I had a conversation with someone that, um, you know, forgiveness and the concept of forgiveness is for you, the person, because you don't want to carry whatever that burden is, you know, or whatever that grief or whatever it is in your soul. So, and because it does, it is toxifying. Anger is a very, very um, toxifying, debilitating condition, you know, um, to be in a conscious state of anger, right? So <laughs> It helps you get things done, I tell you that. <laughs> well, well, that too, and that too, absolutely. I totally, totally agree. So in his statement, you know, because, you know, there was, there was someone that says, oh, she hugged him. Well, he asked her if he could hug her. You know, and yes, there was, a, and I agree with you, there was a bit of gone in the wind in her, in her run to him and the clasping and the letting go and clasping back and letting go and clasping back. Um, some of well, us say, it wasn't just that. It was, it was the judge came down and did her hair. You know, the judge came down and, you know, uh, clipped her edges for her and, you know, gave her some new bangs and massaged her shoulders and. You know, put some coconut oil, gave her a coconut oil facial. No, she didn't do all that. But, you know, <laughs> you know, she came down and and she like massaged her shoulders and like she was the victim. Right, right. Yeah. Well, there 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 rumors out. There rumors out right now, and I'm I'm gonna say it again. There rumors out right now that says the judge, particularly was out of pocket because she mm-hmm. is one in a position where she is running for reelection. And also um, there are a lot of memes that I've seen. Um, I don't know if they're created or, you know, or real. Cause again, I'm just going to start by saying it rumors until someone throws us a fact and then I'll present it that way uh, about uh, the judge being um, connected in sorority sisters with a few of the people from the police department and that they have supported her campaign. So now you have maybe possibly a conflict of interest um, uh, there and the optics of it all, you know, because, you know, it's it's what you see because we, we know you live in a country um, that optics are, are huge, you know, optics govern, you know, how people view things. And unfortunately, we don't have enough independent thinkers. And if I take flack for that, I'll, I'll, I'm gladly here for it because, you know, people like the mob mentality. People move and think in the mob mentality. And the reality is, you know, to be able to dissect something and have your own point of view is considered a luxury, you know. So I tend to gravitate toward people that are independent thinkers. That's, that's mm-hmm. a given. But the well, independent of, thinkers are dangerous. Yeah, well... Yeah, because they they upset the status quo. Sure they do, you know, because they don't. You can't you can't lure them into one perspective, you know, because they're right. going to. And then, and you know what? If you were smart about it, or if people were smarter about it, you'd invite the independent thinkers because that will flush out. That they usually flush out the details that are not necessarily so common, you know, not necessarily. But see, so that's that's what that's what, and and because I, I heard y'all earlier talking about favorite comedians. Uh, that's one of the things that I've always loved about George Carlin was George Carlin challenged people to do that uh, in a way that I'm surprised they didn't kill him. (laughs) You know, Uh, yeah, well, people don't, they don't like for you to look at the little details. Why do you think that is? Oh, because in the little details, 
that's when you have to start thinking critically, okay? And uh, it's it's really crazy, but, you know, as a, as a gay man, especially dealing with all these little knuckleheads out here, that's where I really learned how to think critically because all men lie. You know, men just lie. They, they lie. If they smile at you, they lie. So, you know, <laughs> I, I've had to, like, learn to, like, listen to men and because men don't tell you, like, the the whole truth. They tell you a truth, and then you have to listen to everything else they done said and, and dissect it. And so that's just an example of, like, how you have to kind of, like, break break it apart. And the, the real truth is in the little details. You know, people mm-hmm. like to tell you their side of the story, or they like to tell you what they want you to know. And, uh, you know, that's not where the truth is. So you really have to. You have to listen to people. You, when mm-hmm. I say listen, I mean really listen to them and interpret what they're saying. You know, mm-hmm. read between the lines. And we don't mm-hmm. live in a society that, that does that anymore. And that's why, uh, you know, like if you if you really want the truth from people, if you really want to hear like a lot of facts about things, um, and it depends where you go in this country because like there are those. I'm, I'm sure y'all have seen those videos where. Uh, you know, they ask people political questions and, you know, the people are just idiots with the responses. They're like, you know, we're all black people are bad. You know, not those places. But I go to places like Billings, Montana, and I go to places like uh, Des Moines, Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. And I have conversations with these people in the grocery store, and these people have more common sense than anybody else that you come across these days. <laughs> And wow. and it's because those folks are still it's nothing to do in those towns. Everything closes at four PM, you know. So you have to go home and sit down with your family in the living room. You have mm. to sit down and play cards with people. You have to sit around and smoke a joint with your next door neighbor. And when you're doing that, what do you get to do? You get to slow down and actually make sense out of things. You don't get mm. to do that in big cities. Mm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and that's the way that things are like kind of controlled by media. So that's why you can't just look at the news anymore. You got to look at the news, and then something is scrolling at the bottom of the screen, and then it's you know clicking on to another special report, and you got all these different things going on to keep you distracted because you can't focus and really ask critical questions with all that going on. Mm. And do you find that in your in your stand up? Um, that you are educating and bringing the funny to? Uh, I don't want to say I'm educating people. I think I'm keeping it real with them. <laughs> you know, okay. um, I don't think a person can be educated unless they want to be educated. Because, I mean, I've had people hear things that I say and get up and run out of the theater. <laughs> okay, okay. And at that point, they haven't been educated. They've either been confronted with reality or shocked or both, (laughs) which is, Mm. that keeps it fun for me. Um, And and I do believe I entertain people, you know, because uh, even even if they haven't been educated, they've been entertained by watching somebody respond to something that is the truth. Uh, because I live in, I don't live in emotion, you know, like one of the things that I kind of, uh, it's been a mixed blessing. And I can say this where I believe a lot of black men and I think a lot of black people 
in this country. And I believe that's one reason why a lot of us are, and this is a bit of a contradictory statement, but I think y'all are going to understand what I say when I say this, where I'm coming from. It's one of the reasons why we are so outraged when we see somebody hug a white person for killing one of us or, or we we don't understand the concept of forgiveness is because a lot of us are emotionally unavailable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so one of the mixed blessings is that, like, I'm not a super emotional person, you know? Okay. It's like, so the way that I approach things has always been with facts, you know, because growing up in my house, like, nobody cared about how you felt. But if you could explain why you didn't deserve a beating or you could explain why you did something and it was cold, hard facts, you would get out of it. And so that's always been my approach to things. And, um, you know, we we just don't live in an overall country that 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 lives or believes or thinks like that. Hmm. OK, OK, that's very interesting. Okay. Um, I just want to mention again, you're listening to WJBR Internet Radio, Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Therese, and our special guest today is award-winning comedian, Mr. Samson McCormick. Um, Taja Rack says exactly that um, she was not the victim, and um, Tara Martinez says, hey to everybody. Hello. Hello to you, Tara. Hello. And um, hey, says, that's some real talk that, that you're talking. Um, I, I, saw, I saw a post on Instagram where somebody was, had said, and rightfully so, about um, the, the brother hugging the young lady or the woman, whatever, um, and and that's between him and his God. I I don't feel like I'm in a place to judge that. Um, you know, I don't. I think God stepped away from that. God started smoking a cigarette and kicked the door closed on that one. Yeah, but <laughs> that was a man. You know what? If you if you recall, um, what's the guy Ruth that that uh, the supremacist? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and when you looked at the trial the church members were crying. They were very upset, the family members, and they were like, we forgive you, we forgive you. That is something that is taught, that is something that is, you know, a way to heal. You know, that's, for some people, and mostly for Southern church people, that is not to say that it's not a way to heal for other people, but mostly you would see um, them turning to forgiveness as a way to heal themselves. So, when when Rez said, you know, forgiveness is for you, that's true. Although the perpetrator of whatever crime also gets a little something out of that. But that's that's their business. That's between they them stay, and they get to stay alive is what they get, you know. Um. Yeah, well that see now, see now, Samson, that part is up to the judge. And that's where I have the problem. Not with the brother hugging and oh, forgiving. That's how he did can we his grief is on him, but that's against the law. That's just a separate. First of all, I heard that she gave the woman a Bible, and and there's a separation between church and state. Allegedly, right? allegedly, there's, exactly. There's justice, which the judge represents justice. The judge is not supposed to be emotional and want to give you a hug. You know, like the judge. I mean, I think more judges should. 
be, um, I guess, fair-minded in the in the idea of uh, empathetic to some things, but cold-blooded murder, cold-blooded mm-hmm. murder, and, and the circumstances of this particular murder, and the circumstances and the, the thinking of this woman after she commits this murder. The, the things that she did, you know, her post, her racist post on social media and so forth and so on. I mean, you know, some people might deserve a hug and some people don't. And either way, I don't think the judge should be physically hugging people because it's exactly. a precedent, you know, for the family. How you deal with your grief is how you deal with your grief. I, I can't get into that. But, y'all... It makes you want. It makes you want to take a look at. Let's see if this was something consistent. We knew, and she was deemed like the hugging judge. That's something different. So it makes you right. want to pull open her entire record to see how she managed her emotions in every one of her cases visually. Did she go down and hug anybody else in this? You know what I mean? Because consistency would matter. You know, and and you know, and you know what? I, I think I made it very public about what I think about the Bible and some of the words and, and writings in it because it also says I for I in there. But it also, right. you know, it says a few things in there that contradict each other's uh, 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 statements that contradict themselves back and forth. You know, I just think that, you know, if you talk about impartiality or judges being impartial and listening and the court officer standing by, you know, t- technically you're not supposed to even touch a judge, you know. Now, not only did she allow breaking the, I guess, the criminal fourth wall in a sense where you're now you're hugging and you're passing Bible quotes around and you just convicted someone going to jail that has the possibility of coming out in half the time that she was sentenced mm-hmm. to. You know, it's they kind probably, of like, wow. You know, it just doesn't. Ten, ten years is just she, not the value for life. And, and it, just, it just warrants the whole situation. Five years from now, this, this same woman is eligible to come out and relive her life in any capacity. Mm-hmm. And... He is not ever for eating ice cream and smoking a joint or whatever the hell he was doing in his own home, you know. And I just think it is it is um a tremendous travesty of justice once again to even watch it, to watch it go down, turn my stomach, you know. I mean, not his forgiveness, not his words. I thought they were very powerful, and and I was inspired by his his ability of you know and strength to do that. But the optics of it turned my stomach. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you know. Sorry, not sorry, you know. But, you know, Samson came in kicking the door, waving the 4-4 on this subject. But let me back it up for a second because there are a lot of people internationally that do not know who you are. So I want to switch gears for a quick second and take it back. Like, and just let's learn about you. Let's learn about you for, you know, the listeners out there that are listening and want to know, you know, and how you are for hire. Um, and how you can come in and blaze the trails. But where are you from? What got you into this? Who are some of your favorites? Like, why why comedy? What's up? Oh, Lord. Okay, so um, <laughs> whew, I don't even know where to start. Well, first, I, I have to do a shameless plug and tell everybody, if they aren't doing it yet, two things they must do is, number one, follow me on Instagram at Samson McCormick. S-A-M-P-S-O-N-M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K. I keep it updated. Also go to samsoncomedy.com because there is so much that we won't be able to cover today, 
but I want you yeah. to be able to go do some of the research for yourself and see all this chocolate beauty, okay? Um, yes. <laughs> so first, uh, I have been doing it now for, I just celebrated 18 years uh, wow. doing this. Uh, and for the people who don't know, I was one of the first black gay stand-up comedians in the country. Uh, I am very proudly from Washington, D.C., uh, you know, home of the go-go music, home of some of the most gorgeous black men that you will ever see in your life, um, uh, Howard University, uh, Mumbo Sauce, um, all the wonderful things. And um, it's just been a real blessing to create stories that represent, you know, who we are as black queer people. Um, originally, and I'm not ashamed to say this, when I got involved in comedy, a lot of ego was involved, you know, because I had all my theater teachers always would, would always tell me, you can write comedy. You, you have a really um, authentic way of connecting with people. And, you know, and you could probably make something out of it. And, you know, my head was in that, you know. As I started to really get into it and really align with a purpose, which is understanding that I really was connecting with people and hearing hearing these stories. And then the kids started sneaking out, and they still sneak out to shows, little 15 to 16-year-olds coming with hoodies, and they still sit in the back and they send tweets and notes and things like that. And it's really become more of a mission to help save lives and bring people together. And like we said earlier, tell the truth. Right. Exactly. Wow. That's interesting. And and some of the favorites, oh, yeah, I forgot to answer that part. Uh, Some of my favorites, Mm -hmm. my original blueprints are uh, Moms Mabley and Eddie Murphy. I mean, Moms Mabley and, and Red Fox. Um, I don't know why I've been looking at Dolomite uh, Dolomite commercials, so he's stuck in my head right now. But uh, <laughs> but Mom's Mabley and Red Fox, those are the two blueprints. Um, but as Therese said earlier, you know, through each generation, you like different comedians for different reasons. So you know, I love the the George Carlins, and I always say the black George Carlin is Paul Mooney. Um, yeah, I love. <laughs> uh, you know, different people for different things. I love S'more and Lunell and Thea. Um, I don't know how many people remember Thea, you know, still touring and and doing her thing. Um, Because I've been most embraced by by women comedians, you know, Monique's, um, you know, Coco Brown's, um, Mm. all those women who understand what what the double standard is like to be a woman in stand-up comedy they kind of, I guess, understand innately and through through life experience what the what the course is as a black gay man in stand up comedy. And so I think there were only one or two men in the business who said, Hey, I wanna work with you or whatever. Um, a lot of the other men either have flat out refused to work with me or they um they they tell me, oh, well, you know, you were doing all right until, you, you know, you came out, which I came out, I think, after a couple of years. Um, you know, and they mm. say, well, you know, you, you ruined your career when you came out of the closet, you know. Mm. And there's one who, I'm not going to call his name, but he knows who he is. And, uh, you know, even though he invites me to his little Christmas parties and whatnot, but he thinks it was just 
a horrible idea for me to come out. And he thinks I'm too too much of an activist. Um, I'm gonna go ahead on and say his name, D.L. Hughley. <laughs> oh shit! Who <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, you know, we have a great relationship. But one of the one of the things that really, um, and I don't look at myself as an activist. Like I said, if you are opening your mouth and you're not talking about it, then you're you're crazy. Um, you know, he tells me all the time, "Oh, you know, you're too much of an activist and this and that." But when you when you look at D.L. Hughley, what is he always talking about? He's always talking about politics. He's always <laughs> talking about things black people experience in this country. And I'm like, that's activism. That's activism. Comedy. <laughs> I'm like, he's one of the most outspoken black comedians today. Yeah. Like today, it would be DL, yeah. male anyway. Like they're, yeah. I think males are more um, vocal about what's going on in the world, but he's always in it. He's all over social. Trump. Yeah, social commentary is activism, but I think the double standard comes in in me talking about issues that affect black gay people and that work to bridge the gap between the black community and it, and and its black LGBT families, which for some ah. reason uh, they they think I think I'm saying this right they think uh, are mutually exclusive, you know, and I'm like, no, you can be black and gay, you know, you know. A lot of them, they equate gayness with whiteness. They say, oh, well, I guess since you gay, you gave up your blackness. And they don't understand, you know, black people have always been at the forefront of political movements that improve the plight of black people. So dating back even to I wish there was some sort of way we could unearth some sort of uh, documentation about LGBTQ slaves or something like that, because I know they were out there part of those slave rebellions. I know they were out there running with Harriet Tubman. You know, I know they were out there in those Quaker houses. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of them were flat out queer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. They like to think it was something manufactured. (laughs) Yeah, they think you know, they think we made it up. They go, oh, I guess you didn't get attention growing up, so you know you wanted to be gay. Really? <laughs> you know, like we wanted to get kicked out of church, or like the church didn't teach me how to give a blowjob. But I'm gonna leave that alone. We gonna keep it light. <laughs> what I what I what I what I love to see about um uh your truth and and the way you present your truth is that it. It unnerves people. It forces people to, to force. <laughs> it forces people to to t- pay attention to what they want to hold so sacred because it is holes in everything. That's the beauty of life. It's holes everywhere. But for those who want to keep things pure, <laughs> and, hold, hold on. You say it is what everywhere. Holes, not holes. Holes. Like, <laughs> holes. Like round circles. <laughs> holes. I know what that sounds like. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I get it. No, H O L E S. That's still a that's still a word I can run with, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> sure. For sure, for sure. But it just to watch people sweat and go, Oh my God, you know. 
I always find that to be very the, the, the very thing that makes people uh, that makes invite you to the conversation. Why are you uncomfortable? What, what is this? You gotta you have to you have to express yourself. You can't just oh because yeah. it makes yeah it forces people to to face the question or it forces people to have the dialogue or it forces you to sweat whatever it is you know yeah it is so provoking it's provocative it, and I like it because um. <laughs> You want to keep the audience on their toes. You know, if if I do a show and, and you know, I don't get at least a couple of tweets or emails either telling me not to come back. <laughs> or, you know, that I hurt somebody's feelings and I didn't do it right. You know, and, I mean, this is another reality. In the times we live in now, people are so, and I get it, there's a difference between being PC, you know, and, and, and being forthcoming, like, there is a difference, you know, and some people are just so overly sensitive that mm-hmm. I could stand up there and talk about rainbows and bunny rabbits, and they'll say, but you left out sunshines and, 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 uh, and, and goat retrievers, you know, they... <laughs> Would just make something out of nothing, you know. So I just say, why not tell the truth? And I really do believe that PC culture, like I get it, you know, you can't have people running around saying the N word and stuff like that. But just like there's a video out, well, it was it was last week uh, of the woman. She was in Eagle Rock here out in Los Angeles, in in an area called Eagle Rock, Rock at the CVS, and she was so racist she had to jump up and down when she said it. <laughs> she. Mm-hmm. She uh she screamed nigger about three or four times and she jumped wow. up and down. She was so racist she just had to jump up and down. <laughs> wow. Wow. And uh surging. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and she turned out to be a costume designer here in Hollywood. You know. Wow. Um so this woman works with Ryan Murphy, okay? Um and 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 I believe that PC culture is in place to protect people from the truth. I want the truth. I want to know how you feel so I can know how to deal with you. You mm. know, um, if you are a racist, I want you to tell me how you really feel. If you are a homophobe, I want you to tell me how you really feel. Um, mm. It's no point in people walking around wearing masks. You know, let me know mm. who you are. Mm. And you've been in some situations where that has been the case. How do you handle that? Like, can you, can you remember the first time you were confronted with that and, and, and how you felt? Oh, several times. I mean, even in the early two thousands. And that was, you know, of course, as y'all know, like careers have a lot of peaks and valleys and this and that, but that was like a really, um, as far as shock value, that was a very, um, that was a, a peak in shock value time, you know, early 2000s, because that's when the DL, you know, down low was a huge thing. Everybody wanted the uh, homo thugs. That's what all the gay boys wanted, to date homo thugs. Um, you know, because it was in style to be in the closet. So it was in style to be gay, but not let people know. And you had to be what, what they call now trade. Okay, we about to educate the people. So mm-hmm. trade is... They're, it's like a gay slang word for like very masculine, straight presenting, but more than likely when you bring them back to the house, I'm going to leave that part alone. 
But, um, <laughs> you know, just very masculine and straight presenting. And then you, when you get them back to the house, you find out a lot different. Um, but to get back to the original point, um, it was a time where down low was in style. Um, there was a lot of um, renewed stigma around HIV AIDS. There was a lot of stigma and pressure on black male um, masculinity. And to be a black gay comedian in that climate got a lot of, a lot of negative attention um, mm. because a lot of churches were coming out. You know, um, I was selling out shows very early in my career, and I was wondering why, because I haven't done any, I hadn't done anything significant on television, and it was because these people were looking at me on YouTube, and then they would come out and protest the shows. <laughs> mm. wow. And um, so we would find out, you know, we would we would uh, the the box office, you know, they would tell us like, well, these people they reserve from here and here, and and they would flat out. Um, they would flat out, you know, say, you know, we're from Greater Mount Calvary Holy Church protesting this show. And I don't know how many people from D.C. are listening, but Greater Mount Calvary Holy Church in D.C. is one of the biggest black gay clubs that you'll ever go to, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, why don't so you? I'm like, I'm like, I think these people are coming because they want to enjoy the comedy, but they're in denial about it. So, um, you know, I would just walk out on stage and I would just say things that I think I would intentionally say things to shake them up. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, what else? Um, of course, I, I played a lot of black rooms and, you know, y'all are in uh, Therese's in, in Jersey, so I don't know if you remember, like, the Peppermint Lounge. Um, yeah. There's the, the Stress Factory is there. I played a lot of places in Jersey that were notoriously homophobic. And, you know, I would play a lot of other places, like in the Bronx and in, uh, in North Carolina, in Virginia, in D.C., where people would get up, especially men, black men, um, and you would have like um, some some Caribbean men who would be in the audience who would get up and turn tables over and walk out, you know, and wow. they would wait for me outside. You know, I've really? had people sitting on the car outside. Oh yeah, really? To say what oh, exactly? Yeah. Well, to get up on, and it's not like I'm talking about what I do in my bedroom, you know, um, but to stand up. And even if you did, it's your bedroom. I, I don't. But that's me. You know, <laughs> if I told them that, it, if I told them that, then they might have been instead of sitting in the car, they might have been trying to get in it. But um, <laughs> and I don't. I don't <laughs> and and I don't know. A lot of them, um, you know, now that I really understand words and and human mind, um, and and I do understand stand-up comedy if you really take the time to understand your audience and understand what makes things funny and how those things affect the human mind, you will also understand how words do that. And I look at the way a lot of these men were so-called getting triggered by things that I was saying, and I'm like, no, I think a lot of them were probably getting turned on but in denial about it because no man who's truly comfortable in their sexuality is going to respond like that to a gay man standing in their truth. Right. You know, 
I see straight people standing their truth all the time, and I don't get triggered. I go, you know, leave a couple of boys for me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. True. So you're you're currently working on because you do some film also, right? So yeah. you're currently working on some some film. Yes, uh, I'm working on something now, um, and folks just gotta stay tuned on Instagram and on the website. Um, it's a surprise what I'm working on, um, but we did just finish a film uh, called A Different Direction, and uh, people can look at that on the YouTube channel. Uh, I believe there's a link. There's a link on my website on SamsonComedy.com, um, and you can go to the YouTube channel and watch A Different Direction. It's uh, it's a short featuring uh, Daryl Stevens from Noah's Ark, who I absolutely love, um, you know, very groundbreaking early 2000s uh, black gay dramedy. And Miss Laura Hayes from Queens of Comedy, Deaf Comedy Jam. She plays my mom in the film. And it's, uh, I, I would say it's required viewing. And right. say again where people can find that. You said on, on YouTube? It's on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. But the easiest way to get to it, or you can just get online and type in Samson McCormick a different direction. Or just go to SamsonComedy.com. Uh, on the main page, there are links to... Uh, everywhere else I am on online. And so just click on the YouTube button on SamsonComedy.com right on the main page. It'll just take you right to it, and it's the newest video. Um, and we're, we just finished the tour. We'll be in Nashville uh, October the 11th through the 13th. Daryl Stevens and I are going to be in Nashville October 11th through the 13th to show the film on October the 12th at the Belshire Center. Um if the tickets aren't sold out, they're close to selling out. Uh, I know they called because they had talked about adding a second screening. So uh, if folks are in Nashville, they should jump on that. Absolutely. You hear that, Nashville? Make sure that you get your tickets now because they are selling out. I love sold-out shows. So I is too, it especially for our stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Is there anything else that you're working on um, that you want to share with us that you want to tell us about? Uh, oh, my goodness. So much stuff. Um, I really just, we got to do this again in, in a month or two. Um, I'm working on something right now that folks are going to see and be like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm really excited about. I'm always working on stuff. Um, and we we also did a documentary not too long ago called A Tough Act to Follow, which uh, focuses on um, the general lack of diversity in entertainment um, or, or the work. I don't like to say lack. I don't like that word. Or the, the, the work that minority artists are doing to create more visibility in entertainment. That's what it's about. Um, and we also did a film that was nominated for an Oscar award uh, in 2017 that folks have to check out called I Live Here. Um, and again, it's a, it's a black gay narrative uh, in San Francisco. It was a short, but it was nominated for an Oscar award. And again, this is stuff that's telling our stories. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's very authentic. And this is stuff that black gay people wrote. Nobody wrote it for us. We wrote it and we're telling the stories. 
And uh, and we got nominated for an Oscar for that. So again, on SamsonComedy.com, where people can find all this stuff. Nice, 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 nice. And I'm gonna shout out the director Shane Watson. Say it again. Okay. Uh, Shane Watson was the director for that. Okay, Shane Watson. Nice. Are you ready for a rapid fire? Oh, what are about? Tell them what yeah. the rapid fire is, Okay, rapid fire is uh, a word association game that we play here on the show with all of our guests. So what it is, is a simple cast of the first thing that comes to your mind. And for Samson, that can be a little scary. But the first thing <laughs> that comes to your mind. I'm going to mention a word. It's, we're going to have ten words, actually. I get five, and Javon gets five. And the first word that comes to your mind is what you have to say. Not a sentence, not a, not a you know, just, just the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word. Okay, so you say a word, and I say a word. Yes. Oh, Lord. Okay. You say the first thing that comes to mind. Don't think about it. Just, like, when you hear the word, boom, what comes up? Okay. All right, I'm going to let Javon go first on this one so that Ooh. I don't duplicate any words that she said. Okay. All right. So you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I'm always ready. Oh, I like that. <laughs> God. Love. Comedy. Oh, comedy. Um, um. Experience. Sex. I better come. <laughs> One word. <laughs> I quit. That's it. No. Okay. Um. <laughs> toenails. Who? Toenails. Fungus. Happiness. Who? Happiness. Oh, you want to hear the word I'm thinking for real? Yes, yeah. I really do. Niggas. All right now. <laughs> yeah. Marshall Warfield. Lesbian. 
Paul Mooney. Oh, a bunch of words. Um, Paul Mooney, Paul Mooney. Truth. Monique. R.T. Okay. Jay, you ready? Uh-huh. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. right. Let's, right. I, I, I feel where you're going with that. Let me try this. Michael Jackson. <laughs> First word. Come on now. Kids. <laughs> You made me forget the other one. <laughs> All right. Donald Trump. Oh, um, Clan rally. Shit. <laughs> 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 Just say one word. R. Kelly. P. Fire. Donald Duck. Oh, um, Donald Duck. Oh, Donald Duck. <laughs> Marijuana. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Okay. Um, Legs. Sexy. Derriere. Me. Son. Son? Son. Hmm. He better be cute. No, um, <laughs> Moon. Heaven. Mm, heaven. Um, oh, so many different things for heaven. Um, hobby. Same. Same? Same. Boring. Hmm. Mm, okay. Is that it? That's it. Yeah, that's me. I got that five out. <laughs> we did it. We did it. You made it. You made it. Oh, my God. Man. <laughs> Donald Duck marijuana. <laughs> yeah, you got to look at, look at him with some weed to understand what he's talking about. <laughs> Yo, you, you are funny, but there's, there's, you know, you're a comedian, so you should be. So, yeah. another thing that we oftentimes ask our guests for is a drop for our show. So, if yeah. you would be so kind as to give us your name. Hi, this is Samson, and you're listening to Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Therese. Any kind of way you want to say it. All right. 
Hey, y'all. How you doing? <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm playing. Hey, y'all. It's Samson, and you're listening to Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Therese. You know, I kind of like that first one. <laughs> hey, hey, y'all. I don't want it. It's already bad enough we in the basement, and then you're like, hey, come down here in this basement. I want to talk to you right quick. <laughs> That's the drop right there. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Javon is quiet, you are going to be dropped. <laughs> That's the drop right there. Cause see, we're not we're we're talking to grown people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if right, they, right. they come on down into the basement, they get what they got. <laughs> right. Come on down here in this basement, boy. Hello? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Give us all of your handles, please, Samson. More who? All of your handles, like how everybody can reach you, where they can find your YouTube page, um, what your uh, Facebook page, any fan pages, any way that people can connect to you. Yes. So um, if if they are cute and they got money, you can call me directly at 202. Now I'm just playing. Oh, my God. No, but uh, but seriously, uh, I please uh, visit uh, SamsonComedy.com. That's uh, S-A-M-P-S-O-N Comedy.com. Um, Twitter, if people still use Twitter, at official Samson official S-A-M-P-S-O-N. And my favorite is Instagram, um, and that's uh, S-A-M-P-S-O-N-M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K. You got to follow me on Instagram. Um, and, and people ask, you know, why is it important to, and I'm also on Christian Mingle, too. Follow me on Christian Mingle. Not just playing, but uh, <laughs> it, people ask, you know, <laughs> those, that's where you find the best dates. No, um, and the Kojic Convention, I'm going to leave that alone. So people people ask, uh, you know, why is it important to, to follow artists? And it's important to follow artists, any artist that you even kind of like, because particularly as minority artists, if, say, people don't have the money to support us, then support can be free, and that can be through a follow and telling your friends to follow, uh, because yeah. the higher our numbers go, that does translate into capital in this business because it equates to them – understanding your ability to connect with an audience and also possibly put butts in the seats or get people to tune into something that you're working on or that you're a part of. And so uh, that's what it's about. And so the only way that we will see more black gay people and more queer people of color and anybody else that's underrepresented in media is to look for artists who are doing the damn thing, representing those people that you want to see in those capacities and follow them, support them. And um and, and that's how people and, and even now, you know, um thankfully we don't have to wait around on anybody to to uh, sign us or anything. You know, I can humbly say a lot of my major successes have been from projects that I have created. Um, but you yes. know, unfortunately and this is a prime example, we live in a world of I hate to say this because I'm asking for people to, to follow me online, but of followers. And so people only follow what they see other people supporting. And so every people can't just support mainstream. 
Mm, people have right. to support different levels. Like, I mean, people look at the entertainment industry and they only think, oh, well, if it's not mainstream, it's not popping. And that's not true. Some of the best entertainment that you will see is stuff that you will see underground. It's stuff that you will see on B and C levels. And, um, and those are the people that you have to be supporting, people that you can actually touch out and reach after shows, you know, who will put on a show, who are still hungry, who aren't manufactured. You're still getting the real deal. And, uh, you know, I, I, that is worthy of support. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Sam said, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and definitely we're going to have you back again soon. Thank you so very much, darling. Absolutely. Thank you all for inviting me. I had a great time talking with y'all. Yeah, that's what's up. Thank you. Has well, since you told everyone how they could reach you on the show? Or I mean, okay. Social media and so so forth? Well, I'm Therese Michelle on all media platforms. That's T as in Tom, E-R-E-Z-M-A-N-Y-C-H-E-L-L-E on all platforms. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I am Javon on um, Twitter. And we have uh, In the Basement with Javon on Insta- Javon and Therese on Instagram and on Facebook. Please um, follow us and tell your friends about the show. Um, you can reach us on Blog Talk Radio. We're on all your podcasting systems. Next week, next week on Saturday, we have the beautiful, the talented, the multi-talented Oya Thomas, who actually is watching oh, yeah. now. Yes, and um, she's going to discuss again with us the five-star points of success that she is sharing with us, and and we're grateful for that. And we're going to have her come back like once a month, maybe, or something like that. We got to ration out all of that. We got to get that set. And I believe she's agreed to to give us some of her time once a month. Fantastic. Yeah, until we get through um, she's beautiful, she's talented, and she she she's you know got something for each and every one of us if we listen. Um, whatever you're doing this weekend for the rest of the weekend, enjoy yourself. And I am going to leave us off. Oh, also, I'll be letting you all know how to get these t-shirts soon. I keep talking about it. Got to be about it. Um, I'm gonna leave us off with Gladys Knight tips on and on which is my favorite song from that claudine album with our daily departed yep 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 yes Um, yes yes diane carroll um rest in peace again we we honor your memory hopefully we honor it in a way that you would approve of that you would like that you would think you know what these are sisters doing it in a classy way maybe not as classy as diane carroll but you know we're doing it we're doing it our way. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Love you all. Bet your life I'll be, yeah, a Yeah.
Peace.